Welcome back to season three of the Ripple Leader podcast by the Trebuchet Group. My name is Seth Silvers, and on this season, I will be your co-host, along with Chris Hutchinson, the CEO of the Trebuchet Group. This week, we are talking about when is the right time to give someone the opportunity to continue their career elsewhere, or in other words, fire them. How do you know when a mistake is fire worthy, or is it something you should work with that person to improve? How do you make it easy to do the right things and make it very difficult to do the wrong things instead of we hold up exceptional employees who can buck the system, fight against the problems we have here and still get good results? Today's episode is a must listen for any leader or manager. So let's dive right in. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ripple Leader Podcast. My name is Seth Silvers. I'm your co-host. I'm sitting here with Chris Hutchinson, CEO of the Trebuchet Group. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing well. I'm excited for this conversation. And if you're new to this podcast or new to this season of the podcast, then just to kind of catch you up, we are focusing on just having candid, real conversations about business growth, about leadership, about management, because I'm a young business owner and I want to build a purpose-driven business. I care about more than just making money. I want my business to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And Chris, you and your team at the Trebuchet Group, you guys have gotten to work with a lot of different organizations that have made really significant impacts or are aspiring to do so. So this season, season three, is really about us diving into some of those challenges that we might have. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes of this season, I encourage you, go do that. And Chris, today, I want to ask you about how to fire people. Uh, the, not, the, the age old difficult question, yes. like, what, what, what do I do? Right. And, and not necessarily, I, I'm not thinking of people on my team I need to hire. So if my team, if you're listening to this, you're fine. Um, <laughs> but, Present company accepted. Got it. Okay. Right. Exactly. Uh, but I've heard some people say, you know, talk about it in a lighter way of, uh, when do you give somebody the opportunity to continue their career elsewhere? Mm-hmm. I think this is a conversation that's challenging because mistakes are going to happen. Yep. And so, you know, what weight, what value do you put on those mistakes? Those are some of the the fumbled thoughts that I have as a young business owner around growing a team and some of the fears. Like I, I know that the day will come where I have to probably let someone go yep. and I dread that day. But in the meantime, um, can we dive into this conversation and what's your experience been with knowing when it might be the right time for somebody to exit your team? Yeah, that's that's a that's a very hard question because it does bring up the fears or the concerns. A lot of business owners are doing this because they're trying to make the world a better place, trying to serve people, trying to help people. You've you've had the responsibility to hire somebody. People are going to look at you and say, well, Seth, you're the guy who figured out whether I was going to be good or not. What are you doing about that? So that pressure is just automatically there. And that's a good thing. I think there is a significant responsibility leaders have to set up an environment where people can be successful and try to choose people who will be successful. That said, everybody will come in and leave the business at some point. There's, there's some people who even talk about, you know, as a business leader, how do you want to leave? Do you want to leave through the door feet first or do you want to walk out? You know, that there, you will leave a business. So part of it is thinking about what is your business doing? For instance, I will just share a little anecdote that uh, a number of years ago, 
I got kind of frustrated because we were continuing to have at about a two to four year turnover. And in my mind, I was failing because we weren't, you know, we weren't getting the people in to the point where they would be successful, where it would help the company and help them. And either they would step away or we would get to a conversation where it's not working. And I felt like a failure. And I was sharing that um, with my team. And at one point, I don't remember somebody said something, but I kind of made a joke. I said, you know what? We don't have a consulting company. We have a consulting training company Mm -hmm. and that we are training consultants. So what we should do instead of hiring people is we should put on a thing. We should call the consultant boot camp and we should bring people in and run them through their values and get them clear about their values. And we should tell them about how we sell consultatively and that it's not about a product. It's about helping support people where they are to where they want to go. And we're going to give them pricing and we're going to let them go through what's the value of their time. And we're going to do all this stuff. And, and then we'll take a break and bring it back for a few days after they've gone out and prospect and said, how did that go? How was it talking to people you don't know about money? You know, how did that go? And then whoever like sort of graduates from that, like everybody would graduate, but the people whose values align with ours and seem like they can take the challenges and everything, we should hire those folks. And my team just, they were, I was like, and I started laughing like, ha ha ha. And the team's like, that's a brilliant idea. I said, no, no, it's a total joke. I'm joking, right? <laughs> And they said, no, no, that's a really good idea. So we actually ended up um, having a couple of, of those sessions. And it turned out two of our employees, one of them currently, have come from that, from the sessions we run every so often. Some of the people that went to that figured out they didn't want to be a consultant before they even finished the class because they're like, this is not the job for me. Other people were sort of, they wanted different motivations than we wanted. So, you know, it, it's interesting if you think, of, and, and I will say one other thing about this, even more in depth, I know of a construction company that knew about the turnover they were going to have. And instead of being frustrated and pissed off when people left, they said, we're going to bring you in, we're going to train you for success, and we're going to continue to train you to be successful in this job for as long as you're with us. They were actually literally flipped it around, like we are here to train people to be better carpenters and cabinet makers. And they ended up having people with quite a bit of longevity. Because they could see this is a place where I can grow and improve, and that's the goal. It's not milk me for all I've got and then spit me out. Now, you or I are not doing that. We're, we're not trying to use up people. And yet there may be a time we walk together and then a time we need to separate. Hmm. So uh, does that bring up any yeah. other questions? I, I definitely have some ideas here about how do you know if you're at the right time and you know what, what precedes that, and then what do you do as a leader? It's, it's a tough place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of thoughts that brings up and even, you know, some of our staple businesses here, like I think of the cupboard down the street from us and yeah. I think of the light center, both, yeah. both actually family owned businesses that now are second generation owned businesses. Mm-hmm. The owners have passed on to their children. Um, and both of them, I th- they're, they're both for sure over 40 years old. I think they both might be right around 50 years old. Yeah. And impressive. some of their employees have been there for decades. Right. Which is amazing. Like some of their employees were babysitting the, the now owners. <laughs> yeah, that can be a little bit like, yeah, I knew you went diapers. Yeah, you know, exactly. But uncomfortable for the, So that longevity, like, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. But there's just times where you realize this, this is not, the person that's going to be here for five years or for 10 years. And you realize that what's some advice that you have when, uh, maybe you, you're already questioning whether or not somebody's the right person for the bus for the long term. Yep. And then there's mistakes happening or you start to realize some, you know, some flags going up and you're realizing, is this a normal flag 
Is this, or is this something that's indicating maybe a transition? Yeah. So let's see. I, so I'm hearing multiple pieces of this, of this challenge. One of them, uh, I'll share some advice from Jim Collins that I got, which has really helped the way I hire and, and the way that we have hired and make sure things work. So that's one of them. The other thing is um, the idea of a mistake. You know, what is a mistake and how did, where did it come from? I don't remember which army it is, but there is a, a, a country whose army, if someone does a heroic act, they get a reward for it. They get a medal. And immediately upon the issuance of that medal, there is a, a, a little group that's formed to figure out how to prevent this from happening again. Hooray for your heroics. There's something wrong in our system that made this have to happen. Interesting. So again, so that can change your, you know, that's even a heroic thing, right? There was a mistake. Somebody recovered it. Yes, this thing should never happen again. How do we make sure that doesn't occur? So mistake proofing, not not dummy proofing, but mistake proofing is, I think, one of the good things to do in an organization if you have a long term view. How do you make it easy to do the right things and make it very difficult to do the wrong things instead of we hold up exceptional employees who can buck the system, fight against the problems we have here and still get good results? Because that's a recipe for disaster. You know, if they slip, something bad is going to happen. If you hire somebody who's not that ethical, moral, can see it coming, you're going to have a problem. So that, that kind of fits back into the Jim Collins thing. So I was at a, a session with him, really good speaker. He wrote Good to Grade, and right. there's some other books that, that he's kind of known for. And he, somebody asked him in this large session, they said, you know, you're the right people on the bus guy. You're the, you know, get on the bus, drive down the road, get up, turn around, say, hey, where should we go? Great. How do you know you have the right people on the bus? And he had an instant response that I remember to this day because it made me challenge my own thinking. He said, and he hold up three fingers. And he goes, that's easy. Three things. That, there's values, will, and skill. And he said, um, you know, essentially the values are not, it's not lockstep. It's what alignment of those values. Can that person adopt the values of the organization and advance them? Can they be an advocate? Can they be an active, dri- active participant or even a driver of those values? You know, that's somebody you want to keep. If somebody is not able to be that way, their values aren't going to change. So again, it's not a clone. It's not like I have to have somebody exactly like me or else because you want to, there's diversity. You know, their values are different. However, whatever the core values are, they need to be the same or at least be very supported. Mm-hmm. If there is a mismatch there, it will be like fingernails on the chalkboard every single day. You need to fire them quickly. Right. That was a bad hire on your part. So that's, that's one, values. Second one is will. So the willingness to do the hard things in this job. It's highly likely this person hasn't had that authority before. They haven't had that opportunity before. They haven't had the, 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 the factor. Like, for instance, right now, we're having a challenge in our company to reach out to new people. The clients that know us, love us, and that we do really good work together, and they're doubling down on work even in the middle of low revenue and things like that because they know that the work we do will enable them to be great. It's not us being smart. It's them being great. The, the challenge is new people don't know that, and they feel like, what am I spending money on? Anyway, long story short, um, people, there's a willingness to go out and talk to people that we have to do now that we didn't have before. So we're giving everybody some grace there. So Jim's advice was give some grace if they're not showing up to the responsibilities and the willingness to do the right thing, do the hard work. So have some space there. And skill 
He said, you know, frankly, if you've got somebody who has the values, who has the willingness and they're reasonably intelligent and, and skilled person, you can probably train them. In fact, it's easier to train people than to untrain and retrain people around what there is to do. So if you have a certain way of doing it, in our case, a unique way to really involve people and support them where they are, not tell them what to do and you're doomed if you don't follow the seven-step model, uh, that's not the way we, right? So we, we're different. So values, will, and skill, he said, you know, you can basically, you can change that. So don't fire somebody on that. And he said, what do we do? We hire people the other way around. We hire them for skill. We hope that they're willing. And, and, and then the values we hope stick, right? Yeah. And so people tend to get fired because the values didn't work out or they weren't willing. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because that, and I think a lot of people get fired for skill too. Yes. Yeah, but also if I'm not performing because of a skill and then you graciously try to retrain me right. to adapt that skill and I'm not willing there's then, the will. I'm not willing to and adapt. And it probably is not a values fit. I'm not right. willing to adapt. Or maybe there's something you care about way more than we do. And right. that's okay. And that would be a place to say, ah, now's the time to go. Like I, I hired somebody and we were in months and she was having these deep conversations, taking people to dinner on her contact list. She had an amazing contact list. And I asked her, you know, I'm not seeing any opportunities develop. This isn't a pressure situation. That's not what we do. I'm wondering when you talk about what they're working on in business. And, and, what we, and share what we do and see if there's any connection. She said, um, I would wait for them to bring that up, which made me kind of go, what? And I said, really? How often? That's never, that hasn't happened yet. This is like four or five months in, salary, paying people and everything. And then um, I said, uh, well, what's your willingness to go do that? And she said, no, it's a deal breaker. I'm not going to bring up business before them. I would never endanger my relationship with them. And I'm like, Chris, you idiot. You know, why did I not ask this question six months ago? And it was completely my fault. I could get mad at her and say, why is she doing the wrong thing? But it was my fault that I didn't clearly say. We did have a values line, by the way. We were very strong in values line, and her skills were great. Willingness was not there. Hmm. Uh, another, another time we had somebody who decided that what their job was is to tell people they were broken and stupid. We never do that because everybody's doing their best. And while they're doing their best, they might have something they want to get to. So that gap between those two, we want to explore. Anyway, so, and I know I'm sharing some of the, where right. I'm coming from, and it's, but I, I think the thing is, like, what is it for you? Like, what are the things for you that are the values that are non-negotiable? Yeah. What are, what's the willingness needed to do the work? Right. And what skills do you need to provide? Or back to the Army example, what system do you need to have created so that people have, you know, friction where to not do the wrong thing and frictionless places to do the right thing? Right. Yeah, and I, I think that's really good. And we did, I mean, we talked about some of this and I think we go, we do a deeper dive into the values conversation in episode two of this season where we discuss this concept of how do you, how do you keep your values yes. as you grow? Um, how do you make sure that, you know, those aren't, you're not sacrificing your values for success mm -hmm. or for growth. You mentioned something interesting with that story where, uh, you know, you, this, you idiot Chris moment. Yes where you realize you might have to let someone go because of you. Right. It might not be them. It might be you. Most, so Most of the times it's been me that I've realized that there's a, and they're responsible too, but I believe I'm responsible first for helping set up the conditions for success. And I had not done that. How did you communicate that? How did you go about, you know, it, in that setting, I, firing sounds harsh. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, you, you know, I mean, we, we had a very passionate discussion and I, I can tell that at the time I, I was very emotional because I felt like I had failed 
her and I had failed me and I was upset at myself. This was once I realized that we we broke, <laughs> had some time to think about it, came back and said, I've realized that this is a critical part and I didn't ever, I never asked you for this and this isn't going to work. Uh, we, we, I don't know any way to get business accidentally. And especially when your role is to help develop the business, amazing facilitator, unbelievable skilled, you know. So we, we talked about things for a little bit and it was upsetting. I mean, I felt like I'd really messed up and let her down. And um, I think we parted ways pretty well. I think we could talk today and say, yeah, that wasn't such a great experience. And she probably felt tons of pressure that wasn't really helpful. And and I felt like I had made a mistake. Mm. So I think just being as honest as possible. Right. I, I had another situation where uh, the person who told somebody, actually told a board that a CEO should be replaced when that was not our role. And the CEO got a little upset and talked to the board chair and said, what are we doing paying these people for? This is not what we asked them to do. Um, it was done out of a sense of helpfulness. It was done out of this is what the organization needs. But ultimately, I mean, when I had to drive up and mea culpa, so we didn't get sued for $20,000, uh, you know, that was it was uncomfortable. So I needed to do the hard work. And we came back and said, yeah, we're not going to be able to work together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I asked, what are you going to do next? And he was a bit surprised. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm condensing the timeline a bit, so right. it's not technically all this like happened day after right. day. But we, we talked a little bit, and he wanted to do a consulting company, and he liked the things we did. And and uh, I ended up spending some time getting a website license, getting um, I think we business cards, and I said, "Here's two clients that I think you'd like, and here's the registration, by the way, for the bu- your you know the business name you said from the state. It was I don't know fifty bucks or something, mm-hmm. and said, "Good luck." Yeah. And I wish you the best. Yeah. You're you're a good consultant. You just don't do things our way. That's okay. Yeah. And so I think trying to be honest about it, not angry about it. I mean, it's very emotional for me to go through that because, again, I feel like I'm letting people down. I don't want mm-hmm. to do that. But I think being honest and trying to figure out, you know, it doesn't seem like we're going together. Right. Uh, I, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. But maybe that doesn't cover it. Like what kind of mistake, any kind of examples of the kind yeah, of mistake? Yeah, so that, like, like I, I think, you know, being a media agency would create a lot of assets, mm-hmm. um, whether it's podcasts or videos or whatnot. So there's yeah. lots of little details, right? Spelling of names of guests, or sure. different things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like attention to detail is really important in my industry, and so then there being these, you know, repeatable mistakes, right? Where it's just attention to details. Like, how many times do you have to remind people to? You know, do the mm-hmm. homework and make sure the person's name is spelled correctly before we send it right to the client. And, and there's been times where I haven't reviewed content because I've trusted. Right. right. And in my mind as a business owner, it's like, well, I don't want to have to, you know, I, wa- I want to be able to trust. But then there's also the balance with review and different things. So there's been many times where it's like, well, that shouldn't have happened because I clearly should have caught that. Right. Um, and it's my fault, but then there's also times where there's, you know, these more technical mistakes, it's more of the skills side mm-hmm. where, you know, little tiny mistakes add up to a point of frustration where it's like, I, I don't, I legitimately don't know. Is this, is this normal? Is this mm-hmm. our culture mm-hmm. or is this, uh, is this insight into something that's just going to happen over and over again? And we maybe should get somebody else in the position. Mm-hmm. So I think because we're regularly creating pretty specific assets where this is either done correctly or it's not. Right. Um, 
those are some of the challenges when we're talking about like little mistakes that mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. add up and feel like bigger mistakes that then make you question at times bigger questions. Sure. So I'll share some of my thoughts on that. I, I mean, I hear you sort of saying, what would I do? What do I do about this? Yeah. Is that is right? Um, one of the challenges is, and take this humbly, there will be nobody that will be as good as you at doing what you do. So that's that's the first thing, and that's tough. That's the reason you're here. That's the reason you're doing good things. I have the same exact challenge. Um, it's not, I'm pointing at you because you're unique. Right. I think all people, you know, you've done this well, you've poured your life's sweat, blood, and tears into it, and so it's going to feel very personal in what you do. And I think that's important to acknowledge. Um, part of it, too, is the, the next step is, okay, given the conditions that the person has, what, not excuses, but what were the conditions for mistakes? And one of the things that I try to do, in fact, I changed our job descriptions with help um, from this is what you do to this is the outcome you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. So it says clients are supported and you know, I have to go back and look or something, but I imagine like what, what would the ultimately, like let's say the names are spelled right. There's not a problem with the little mistakes. Those aren't made. What are the, what are the, outcomes that come out of that for your business and for the client? Yeah, it's a good question. And I mean, it would probably be, you know, the, the ultimate outcome is results for the client for marketing content. And the specifically, I mean, you could have results with errors in them. That's right. not what kind of results would have no errors and what would it do for the client? I think a, a piece of media that looks clean and professional to their audience that makes you know, media that makes our clients look professional and presents them in the light that they want to be. Presented. Awesome. I love that. And, and you have to define some of those things. But if you had that, let's let's pretend that's in the, the top 10 thing. And you could have the what not to do, but you could have a list of what to do. It's, it would say the first thing is that everything we send out makes our clients look professional and great. And so somebody does something that they misspell a name. That, that's a big no-no for me too. Like names are deep place of respect and misspelling them says you don't care about somebody. It sends a signal that we don't want to send. Maybe it's that, you know, our clients know we care about them or something. That could be another, it could be, they can make conflict or, or intention. And then we get to the place where you'd say, okay, you made this mistake, misspelled the name, um, or you've misspelled the name. Which of these things do you think that effect, that has as an outcome? And they would say, oh, well, oops, that, you know, it's not just an oops. It's a, that's going to affect how the client feels about us and they're proud to work with us. What, you know, whatever those things are, again, those outcomes are really vital, I think. And then you can say, okay, so what are you going to do next time so that doesn't occur? And they would say, well, I could use spell checker. I could, you know, get through a of eyes. All right. Um, what support might you need from me to make that happen? Or what support would you ask of me? I, you know, they might say, well, I need you to double check everything I do. I, I can't do that. What else would work? So again, I'm being directive and supportive at the same time, right? I'm saying this is here's the requirement. I'm there's a thing in the military they call commander's intent. It doesn't say it says take the hill, but on top it says it would say something like you know um, gain superiority, uh, you know, and, and protect our troops, right? If you couldn't take that hill, what else could you do? When you get there, you're like, well, I can't take the hill. You don't just say, oh well, and turn around and go back. You figure out some other way to do it. So right. that's what we're kind of trying to do. Now, if if People like, yeah, uh, yeah, but I, I can't do that or I don't care about that. That's a huge red flag. That's like, if you can't commit to these, we got a problem. If you're like, I need training or I need some help, that's a different issue. Right. So 
So it, it, I'm not saying willful mistake, but what level of mistake? Is it a values level mistake? Is it a willingness mistake? Is it a skill? Yeah, that's a really helpful clarification. To, and, I, and we've, yeah, even though we've talked about, we've had conversations about the values, will, and skill, but looking at mistakes in, you know, in those categories, I guess, how, how should we, like at the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned reframing mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you mean when you talk about reframing mistakes is looking at them kind of through those three categories through the, through the lenses of the outcomes you want. Is it, is it, is it, is it a willingness mistake? Like I'm not willing to do that work. Um, I think it's also comparing it to the, to the values or, or those fundamental principles you say, and is it like I was pushing too hard? I was feeling too much stress. I was doing those things. Okay, great. What are you going to do about it next time? And, and I really like the, instead of would have, should have, could have, that's past. You can't do anything that well. I should. I, I try to right. cut that language short and say, okay, what are you going to do next time? Right. And how would you ask me to support you in that? So it's really giving the responsibility for that person to make those connections themselves mm-hmm. rather than you having to continually correct. Because essentially, I mean, this can work with if you have kids or people, if I'm really worried about something with my kids, they don't worry about it very much. Because you know what? Dad's worried about it. Why should I? Mm-hmm. Versus instead of I'm not that worried about it. I'm wondering how worried about they are and why it matters and what they're going to do about it. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's really helpful. And I think that that kind of answers and gives insight into some of the questions of just how to handle and how to work with some of those mistakes. On the other end, there's, you know, it's time to let this person go. Mm-hmm. I've heard some business owners uh, that recommend at least, you know, once a year. And they're kind of joking, but you also know they're serious and they do this. Uh, like, at least once a year, fire somebody in front of other people so they know that it can happen. <laughs> uh, not my style. You know, I, I don't think I don't think that, that uh, lauding authority over somebody is necessarily the right thing to do. Yeah, like what are some of the cultural impacts of uh, people being afraid to be fired based oh. off of a mistake. Well, I will tell you that if your work requires no thinking or feeling, then sure, go right ahead and do that. But if your work requires something to be done between people's ears, mm-hmm. how they feel about how they're showing up is going to dramatically impact your results. So putting people in a mode of fear, pretty much guarantee that you're going to get the worst results possible because they're not going to be thinking in those higher levels. They're going to be thinking about how to survive this. Right. How do I get out of this? What do I need to put on this form so I don't get yelled at? Not... How am I honoring what we're doing together? And, and, right. and I'm not saying that in a, you know, lofty, Pollyannish kind of way, like, oh, we're going to save the world. But if, if you're in this place, like, I don't know if I can keep working here. Mm-hmm. We really need to address it. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of an, as as we close this piece of the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, what have you seen? Give some examples of where you've seen this done well and where you've seen this done poorly. Yes. In terms of firing somebody, yeah, the actual firing, I think done well. I think there's well, first of all, being brief and clear. There's not a lot of padding. If you're going to fire somebody, you've hopefully had conversations where they're not meeting expectations, and you're asking them what they're going to do about it. And they're yeah, asking, somebody's probably not walking in. There's thinking, no oh, surprise. Is great. There is no surprise, and, and there could be. You know, you could have something where in this area, like we have to cut our expenses by half you know, we're going to eliminate half our positions. That's a different thing. It's still hard, but it's a different question. And by the way, I would not tell somebody it's just a position eliminating when it was an issue around how they were showing up. Uh, But I I think it's more of a matter of, hey, it's not working out. And we've been trying up to now, and now's the time we need to part ways. 
Now, whether or not you do a severance or you do something to help them out, we'll give you two weeks. I think it's more honest about and more effective to just be straight up about it and say, so we need to figure out a transition over the next 30 days. We're going to give you time to look for a job. Your responsibilities here are now done and we'll pay you whatever you're going to do to try to help the person go. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a fellow named, and I'm going to forget his name here, Robert Glazer, okay. who, who wrote a little blog on how to, why do we have the two week, ended the two week notice. And he talks about how they have transition plans for months when people aren't working out. And it, everybody feels more respected all the way around. I'd highly recommend that kind of perspective of how can you do it in a way that you feel respected and they feel respected at the end of it. And I think if you ask yourself that question, you'll do a lot of things right. Yeah. Doing it wrong is if, you know, the person's going to throw vegetables at you when you, you know, see them in the supermarket or if you're doing it out of anger. I think not that you can't get upset, but that's probably not the right thing to do. And right. firing people in front of a group of people is definitely not the right thing to do. Yeah. So when, um, yeah, when have you seen or heard of this being done poorly? What uh, are some things that maybe people think like, Oh, this is commonplace, or this just this just happens in companies. That is like really bad letting go of people practice. Well, I'd actually say the biggest thing that I've seen is, and sometimes it's known as leave alone zap. It's where people have been, you know, behind the scenes, folks complain about somebody, but nobody ever really talks to the person. They think things are going to happen. The leaders tolerating things, but not documenting or saying, hey, this is not okay. What are you going to do different? And meanwhile, the person's marching on sometimes for years without realizing. I mean, essentially, they're getting reinforcement that what they're doing is fine. And then all of a sudden, it's a bang. And when it's a bang like that, there's a lot of folks that feel it's unjust. They'll go to lawyers. They'll find out they didn't have any warning. It's not. It's just not a pretty picture. So progressive discipline, as sometimes it's known, is not just a cover your ass thing. It's helping us know: Are we? You know, you're on the wrong track, and the right track's over here. We're going to go through a little bit of pain to get back on track. We want you to be on track. Next time, we're off track again. This is what's on track. That we're going through a little more brambles. And the third time, it's like we're not. You know, you've chosen a different path. Mm -hmm. You're not on the path that we're on. Good luck. And if done right. There's no surprise and people just go like, yeah, I get it. If there's this, you know, when people sort of save up things and then unleash it on someone, it might feel like you just have to do it. But I would say examine your own contribution to it. How much have you helped? Mm -hmm. How much have you contributed to it? Own that. And then, and then try to figure out what you're going to do that's respectful. Yeah. And this is really, really helpful because, you know, at the beginning we talked about retention. Some of these companies in town that have had people working there for longer than I've been alive as a 29 year old. <laughs> right. And, uh, these companies that they're, they're around for 50 years and they have employees that have been there for 30 years, just amazing. And the culture that would be passed down through those people yeah. is just incredible. And so I think that what we're realizing and what you've helped me to see is there might be some mistakes, if you will, that, you just need to work with the people. And maybe you even as a business owner, you need to be more clear. As a manager, there's where ways where you need to be more clear or be working with your people more to better understand. Uh, you know, did you misspell that name because I expected you to do this in five hours when in reality you need eight hours 
to do this with the attention that it deserves. And then we need to communicate that to the client. And, mm-hmm. and you rebuild know, your system of how much money you're putting into the proposal right. to account for that. Yeah, yeah. that's the systemic change. That's the, how can you help people be successful? Yeah, which uh, what I want to kind of close this episode on is that takes more work. Not just firing people quickly and, you know, having like being okay with, you know what? Yeah. Like we have low retention, um, but that's just the way it is. It requires more work because you have to go deeper and you have to change things. But the result is long retention. The result is you're going to have people that are around for longer, which has a whole lot of value. And you don't have to look very far to see how expensive turnover is. There is that great saying that I'll, I think I'll close with is that, you know, you can not train people and not work on them, you know, because that's going to be expensive and, and uh, you know, uh, because you don't want to invest in them, you know, because you don't and, and because, you, you know, they're just going to leave. They're just going to go someplace else. So why invest in them? Worst yet is not invest in them and have them stay. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a good that's a good way, good way to bring this to a close. But. Thank you so much. Leah, this has been helpful. It's always fun. It's like a double bonus when we get to help our listeners go through some of the challenges they're going through, but then also we get to walk away with some good takeaways for our own businesses. I'm glad to hear it. So thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for listening today. Today's conversation left me encouraged to be more intentional about clear communication with my team and also working with them to help them develop and improve in their jobs knowing that there's going to be mistakes. I know that I will be thinking about the values, will, and skill questions on a more regular basis. And I encourage you to do the same. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Ripple Leader Podcast.